0: After a summer of discontent, a call for patience and the fantasies of what could have been, West London's blue aristocrats have taken the lead in the transfer market with accuracy and poise. A market dreaded by many as clubs come to grips with their new financial normal. So, ahead of the big restart, we speak about Chelsea's blitz and the prospect of a frightening front three. Also, in paying our respects to the late George Floyd, we take a look at the global stand on racism through the eyes of sports-leading institutions. Coming up on the Hindsight Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hindsight Podcast in association with wolexis.com. I am Yubin Duonofit and the thrower are reunited solid as a rock. I'm joined by Ineabong Monday, and we we'll Rafi. still observing social distancing, but always up for a good conversation. Good morning, gentlemen. It's good to have both of you on the podcast today. It's a pleasure. Good morning, Yubi. Uh,
1: good to be here once again. Looking forward to uh, all of the topics. I mean, uh, since, football has, uh, since football went on a break, it's been very difficult not having uh, real-time topics to talk about. And... Uh, we're glad the Bundesliga is back. I was more than happy that the Premier League and the La Liga will be back very soon as well. So um, we ready to go.
0: It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Just um, good to join you guys this morning. and It's, it's fantastic that we're having an opportunity, like, as it will, to, to talk football. And it's, it's quite wonderful that we can do this virtually. And just looking forward to having an excellent conversation.
0: Uh, it's that time of the year, so let's just uh, summarise the main uh, lines, uh, shall we? The main news lines, I should say. Uh, it's that time of the year, so we'll touch on transfers. Timo Werner to Chelsea, who's been leading in that category of transfers. A quick look at Liverpool's transfer strategy. Uh, just a couple of days to the big restart in Spain with England two weeks away. Not long now. We'll also mention UEFA, who are set to conclude this season's Champions League with a two-week Festival of football. It's been tagged the Summer of Football. And of course, we'll also speak about the stand against racism in the memory of the late George Floyd. And a reminder we're on Google, Apple, and Spotify podcasts with the name The Hindsight Podcast. Please subscribe to our pages so you'd never go searching for an episode. Well, let's get into uh, the first story then. Timo Werner to Chelsea. Well, uh, gentlemen, I'm sure you heard about the story. Reports surfaced last week that Timo Werner will most likely be playing his football for Chelsea uh, next season. What have you made of that? Ini? Well, it's a bit of a surprising
1: one, to be honest, because it felt like it was done in dusted that he was going to Liverpool. It felt like Liverpool were odds-on favourite to get him on board. But Chelsea have shown a statement of intent, in my opinion, on getting him on board because I, I, I'm a big fan of him. I admire him a lot. I think he, got, he brings a lot of dimension to, to a team. I, I've seen him play so well for the German national team, play so well for the for RB Lives and he's been on the forefront, scored a lot of goals. And the one thing I like about him is the fact that he's not an out and out striker. He likes to come in from the left hand side of the of the of the attacking trio and he is very, very fantastic in terms of just getting making runs into the box and scoring very wonderfully. He's the kind of guy who can score any kind of goal. He he can score from outside the area, he can score um tappings, fox in the box kind of goals. And again, he's got the ability to beat people. And I think Chelsea look like they're going to frighten a lot of teams next season with Timo Werner. It was a surprising bit and it's a statement of intent, as I said earlier. And also, this is Ibrahim Abramovic putting his weight behind Frank Lampard.
0: A bit of thought from me there. Well, luckily I mean, you've got to ask yourself the question. Does that next season plans feature Timo Werner rather... Time Abraham in it because you, you get the feeling Timo Werner is... Uh, when, you, when you make that kind of investment on a player, he's got to be in the starting eleven. Obviously. Um, I think definitely when you, like you said, when you pay that kind of money for a player, there's no chance you're putting him
1: on the bench. He has to start. Mm-hmm. But Lampard also mentioned something earlier in the season that it is important to add goals to his team. And the reports uh, are saying that Lampard actually wanted GH as a January to add goals to the team. So now bringing in Werner that means we want to add goals to the team. So it doesn't make any sense to so then bring in Werner and then put Abraham on the bench. That means you're taking goals out again. So the owners now falls on Frank Lampard to work on how he's going to play both of them. And what we're hearing currently is that he wants both of them in the starting eleven. It depends on how um, Tami Abraham will take the transfer of Tammy Werner. As far as I'm, as I'm concerned, if Abraham is serious about being a top player and being a top-class player for Chelsea, Movena's arrival should be a good thing for him. Hold on a second. Uh, Well, actually, you you seem to forget that there's a guy called Christian Pulisic and in his first season he has come up in lips and bounds in the games we've seen him play and somehow he just has to be in that team. I think definitely Pulisic is a part of the team. The answer to that was for me where Lampard said the fact that he has used Academy players, young players in his first season, doesn't mean he wants the team to be a developmental team. He doesn't want the team Mm. to be a development team where people look to to come and raise players. He wants the team to win titles. And the only way you can win titles is to make sure that the players understand how important and how big it is to play for the team and to make sure that they know that if they're not performing up to their potential, then they're going straight to the best. For me, I feel like it is always important to... Uh, create that competition in the top side. And that's what bringing in Mm. ZH and Werner would do. Pulisic knows that he's not coming to Chelsea to walk straight into the starting 11. He has to work for it. He has to... uh, Even the, the likes of ZH are coming in. It doesn't matter what they've done. Obviously, bringing them in for that amount, you want them to go straight into the starting 11. But you also have to go into the training ground and show that you deserve to start. So for me, it's about the competition in the team. And I think it's good for both players. They're young, which is also an important part of what... Probably Chelsea are doing with Faglapat. Like All of those players are young. In my opinion, they are probably part of a longer plan in the Chelsea
0: team. Mm. How, how soon or how far off do you think they're away from a Premier League title then? Because I, mean, I hear you with the, the youth policy and whatnot, and with youth, you've got to give them time. Does that mean there is a, maybe more than at any other time in Chelsea's recent history that one manager might be? given some sort of grace to probably win the Premier League title, which has not been the case for other managers? Well,
1: I, I think, I think um, first of all, <laughs> Lampard was given a three-year deal. But we also have to add that no uh, manager during their Abramovic era has um, uh, run through their, their, their contract, their initial contract. So he can get fired at any time. But I feel like he has a bit of time. First, because obviously being a club legend, he might be given a bit of time but also because there was a transfer ban when he came in, so he couldn't bring in players. But I also feel like the fact that he's gone ahead and spent uh, around €60 million on Timo around €40 million on Ziyech means they're trying to shorten the the time that he would need before they start competing for a title. That's why they've gone ahead to bring in these quality players. So give or take in my opinion, maybe not Mm. this next season. I feel like Lampard at the back of his mind, even he might not admit it publicly, but well, at the back of his mind would want to go for the title next season. But I will give him, say, an um,
0: upper season to say this team should be winning the title, in my opinion. Right. Brilliant then. Let's talk about the Liverpool angle in me because, um, I mean, it's one of those deals where the player was almost crying to be taken to Liverpool and you got to throw your mind back to Angel Di Maria with, you know, he wanted to go to PSG so much at the time. United... Swooped in for the deal last minute. You've also got to go back to maybe Alexis Sanchez, who at the time we all thought the deal to City was nailed on. And United swooped in and got the deal. Both players couldn't quite perform at their best levels. Then is that a possibility with Timo Vena at Chelsea? Because he wanted to, his agents, his briefing in the media was, you know, Liverpool, Jürgen Kopp, a great manager and whatnot.
1: As a German doing so well in your home country, when you get an opportunity to go abroad, it is almost like fish in water playing for a German manager. It would be absolutely fantastic to want to play for, for Jürgen Club, Very charismatic, very energetic on the touchline. He's got an excellent relationship with his players. And I'm sure that could have been one of the factors that Timo Werner was looking at when he wanted to move to Liverpool. But also, from a football point of view, I would have thought it would, have be, it would be a very bad footballing decision if he had got to Liverpool, because certainly he won't play. Divo Origi can't play. Because Liverpool are always going to have that side in Salah and Firmino and, and Sadio Mane. So it's always going to be difficult. But maybe, just maybe, the fact that Liverpool didn't take the opportunity to sign him can't be a take on the backside for him. can't be that kind of thing where you say, I've got to prove them wrong. I've got to show them that I've got the quality to play for a side like Liverpool. But Chelsea, a massive club, a massive club in the past 10 years, they've shown that, the past 15 years actually, they've shown that they can win titles. They've shown that, got quality. Five Premier League titles in the last 15 years is not um, a mean feat, to be honest. And for Timo Werner, it would be about proving himself in the Premier League because there's still questions about the fact that can he cut it in the big time? The German Bundesliga is great, but when he comes to the Premier League, it's a different kettle of fish entirely. So can he do it in the Premier League? That's the question. And the disappointment of not going to Liverpool might be uh, a kick on the backside. Yeah, just to quickly add to what Ineo Bond said, I think rightfully, the idea was that the the AFCON was supposed to come up in 2021 and club wanted to ease Werner in when he wouldn't have money and Salah. Mm -hmm. But now the AFCON has been moved as well to 2022. So it would have been even bad from a Liverpool perspective to pay 60 million euros for a player and then put him on the bench. Also, there will be lots of unsatisfied or displeased people out there in Germany. If you bring in one of the uh, golden boy of German football right now and then you put him on the bench at Liverpool. So uh, financially, football reason, from the angle of the player, it doesn't feel, as much as he wanted to play for, uh, um, for Jürgen Klopp, and it feels like the football at Liverpool would match his uh, abilities, there are other important factors that were pointing to the fact that it might not be the best move for him to go to Liverpool.
0: Very insightful uh, piece of uh, thoughts from uh, both of you gentlemen. Well then, uh, let's move away from Timo Werner, who has of course scored 25 goals in the German league so far. Uh, of course, since its restart he's got a couple as well. A hat-trick also in the mix. And talk about Kai Havertz, who has been an interesting player since uh, the the turn of the calendar 2020. And if German football uh, is in a good place, you've got to say these are the players that make it uh, worth your while, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Jaden Sancho, and a lot of people have, have reported and said that if the first half of the 2019-20 football season belonged to Jaden Sancho, then the second half belonged to Kai Havertz. He scored 15 goals in 38 games so far this season, all competitions, and that tells you, you know, just how good this player is. Uh, the numbers uh, do not lie in this case, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of talk about him. Where does he go to? Is it too early to make a move? He's just 20 years of age. He's at Bayer Leverkusen. He could drop parallels. i don't been with um, Son Heumann, who used to play at Bayer Leverkusen, and Emre Chan. All players who left and went on to have you know, successful careers, you know, t- of course, due the various degrees. Is he a player that could make a big impact in the Premier League? We're hearing City, Manchester United. He's been linked with everybody. Real Madrid, Barcelona. 20 years of age. Would you put that money on him? Fantastic um, player. Absolutely fantastic player.
1: I wouldn't put that money on I mean, him because he still has a lot to learn. And the one thing about him is, is his adaptability. He, he's an attacking midfielder predominantly. But in the past few matches, since the restart of, of Bundesliga games, he's gone into a more advanced position in playing in almost a centre-forward position. And that has made him score more goals in that position. But he's such a brilliant footballer. He's got that cold-top left foot, that Mesut Ozil kind of left foot. A very cold-top... Left foot can, has got deaf touches about him. His movement has gotten better since he moved into that more advanced position. But for now, it's just 20. And I know you can take the risk. I know you can take the gamble. But when you put too much money on a kid, I mean, it's, it's a pressure that can be handled in two different ways. I mean, the player can freeze under that kind of pressure if things don't go his way. Or he can just take it on board and just hit the ground running. But at the moment, I don't think it would be such a, a sensible thing to do to put so much money on him because he just had such a couple of seasons. But he's such a fantastic footballer. Olakunle used to say, Ozil is a friend with football. I think Ka Hamlet
0: has some bit of relationship with the football because everything he tells the ball looks like the ball listens to it. It's quite interesting the points he makes, Olakunle, because, I mean, if any um, Kinda of compares him to Mes Ozil, and Mes Ozil has done it at the highest level in football. You know, it is a great uh, comparison to make. They're both German to start with. But Havertz has had a fantastic return to uh, scoring goals and making assists since you know football restarted, of course, with the new normals of no fans and whatnot. He's just twenty, and that can sometimes be a pressure lifted on you. You know, you don't have the fans there, you can express yourself a bit more. You know, is there a, a warning sign there somewhere that, you know, this kid, yes, the talent is quite evident to see, but the conditions are maybe aiding his talents in this period?
1: I, I, I couldn't agree more, Yubi. I think when you're 20 years of mm-hmm. age, playing in your country, there are so many signs, so many signs around you pointing to the fact that we cannot spend 35 or 80 million euros on you at the moment. It just, it, it just doesn't mean... I think he's a great player. No doubt. But when you bring it, because you have to also bear in mind with the coronavirus pandemic that has happened, when football returns completely, there'll be lots of pressure on football players, in my opinion, because at that time, um, clubs would have lost a lot of money. Um, A lot of clubs will also be looking to recoup what they have lost. And you have to understand that it is easier to recoup lost money when your team is doing fantastically well on the pitch of play. So for me, I feel like there will be lots of pressure on football players as well. And when you put in 75 million on a 20-year-old, on a he's still a kid, in my opinion. I think, granted, there are football players that it doesn't matter what age they are. If you put them anywhere, they're going to absolutely blow everybody away. But they are also, it happens, um, I think maybe one in a thousand or one in a hundred. Uh, case in point, Kylian Mbappe. As at 19, you can tell this boy is going to be a world-beater. For me, I feel like Harvard will probably need another season at Bayer Leverkusen. The same thing for Timo Werner, in my opinion. Two seasons ago, scored a lot of, I think he scored 18 goals two seasons ago. This current season, you know, took it up a notch. And then you can say it feels like this guy has come to stay. So I think he probably needs another season at Bayer Leverkusen.
0: Mm. I kind of see parallels with Gio Felix. It just reminds me of Gio Felix who had a great time last year and... You know, it's not quite uh, finding its feet at Atletico Madrid. Right, so we've touched with transfers now. Let's make our way down to the Premier League because we're just little less than two weeks away from England's project restart. going Gunnar Solskjaer has, encouraged, has been encouraged rather by the competitive edge his players have shown in training as they prepare for the resumption of the Premier League season. Of course, United are due to face Tottenham on the 19th of June in their first match since beating LASC 5-0 in the Europa League on the 12th of March. Gentlemen, we've seen a lot of pictures uh, from club training grounds. There's been lots of smiles on the players' faces. A lot of Afros as well. Uh, we've caught our own here in Lagos. But, you know, good time. Good times for for, for teams to come back and play football. Especially for maybe Man United, who were missing a couple of players. You know, Marcus Rashford, we hear, is back. Odion Ighalo has been signed to a longer deal until January in 2021. Paul Pogba is back. You've got key players back, refreshed. But they were in a good run before that uh, pandemic. Of course, they were still in the pandemic before it hits in full swing. Is there any chance they can kick off from where they left off, United? It is possible.
1: It is possible to kick on. And, and particularly when you have a player like Paul the back and people tend to forget with the, a lot of um, baggage surrounding him, people tend to forget he's such a cracking footballer. And when United having him back and they have got Bruno Fernandes, who, who I'm sure would have been very frustrated with the pandemic ensuring football was not there again because he was playing so well at the time. And so when you're thinking, what will happen with Pogba and Bruno Fernandes now? I'm very, very much keen on seeing how Ole Gunnar Social will use both these players because... United will yeah. be frightening. <laughs> if those, if those if those two guys. I see you'd be smiling, but United would be frightening if those two guys kick on very well. It would be quite fantastic <laughs> and Marco um, back. And Gallo, I'm sure he'll also be fighting very hard to get a chance in the Premier League because what he's shown so far is the fact that if he gets a chance he'll he will put the ball the ball in the net. So Exciting time for United. Let's see if they can translate that excitement onto the future play. They play against Tottenham, and you are not forgetting the fact that Tottenham have got players returning as well. So it would be a fantastic game. It's just about how many days away we're looking forward to it.
0: Certainly. Well, let's talk about Liverpool's title race uh, then, because it was pretty much not a title race. It was more or less a procession to the title, and. Um... Of course, they need six more points to secure the Premier League title, uh, which translates to uh, two wins. A win for Liverpool in their next game, which is expected to be played on June the nineteenth, could potentially do it. Should City lose against Arsenal, which is an interesting uh, permutation, and I just wanted to reel out some of the interesting statistics about the quickest teams to win the the title. Liverpool have got an incredible chance to blow off whatever anybody has done in the past. United, uh, uh, one team who. In 2001, uh, won the Premier title on April the 14th with five games to spare. And City, of course, have come to that record as well. They've also won the title with five games to spare. If Liverpool win the title on their first game back, they would have won the title with eight games to spare. Is that a possibility? Could Arsenal do Liverpool a favour, luckily? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the wrong person to ask that question because I don't trust Arsenal <laughs> at all. I, 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 I decided to ask you not in it because I, th- I think in it would give me a straightforward answer.
1: <laughs> I, I totally get that. I totally get that. I, I don't trust Arsenal at all. But I feel like, um, well, it, it, it is possible. But you fancy you Manchester City because of the sheer quality that they've got in the team. Um, I think it was just last night. I was looking through Manchester City's squad again. And it's just, it, it, it's impossible. To have that, that kind of score, you always expect that your position will get overwhelmed. But Arsenal, I, I think they showed a bit of um, a bit of quality, a bit of promise as well. I hope the situation with um, Pierre-Marc Aubameyang do not derail them, do not distract them. On their day, Arsenal, I think they can throw in uh spanner in the against uh, Manchester City. But give or take, Liverpool. Uh, still, definitely going to win the league. I would have loved them to win it on the opening weekend back after. Uh,
0: so the rest of the rest of the Premier League, can just
1: get the business sorted out. We can just face our business and just <laughs> let them go their way, right? So, but but I doubt, I doubt that. I doubt that because coming back also. Uh, these clubs, players will know that we need to hit the ground running and we need to start really quickly. I think Leicester City are still within touching distance or Manchester City, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, uh, City definitely will not want to re- relinquish that second position. So, I think it's a difficult call. I don't see Arsenal doing
0: it. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it reinforce what a brilliant season Liverpool have had, in the, if they win a title after their first full 90 minutes? Of course, if Arsenal won against City, wouldn't it just reinforce... The, or maybe silliness in people's opinion that well, the season should have been null and void because they've had such, a, such an incredible season. And people might forget that, but I mean, we, we are not going to forget that. Liverpool had such a great season. It was almost unreal.
1: Yeah, it, it, it was it not almost unreal. It's been an unreal season. Forget the game against Watford, but Liverpool have been, have been unplayable at times this season. They, they've been absolutely phenomenal. From day one, they've not let their foot off the pedal They played so well. The pandemic came in and put a bit of a um, a bit of disappointment on the faces of the fans because when you stay for thirty years and not win a title, and then in fact get an opportunity to win the title, and then you're not going to be in the stadium. It- it takes a bit of the gloss away, but the truth of the matter is that Liverpool have been an outstanding, outstanding side this season. For so people who were calling um, for for the season to be to be null and void, I forgive them. I heard it against them, but I forgive them. <laughs> <laughs> I forgive them now because I would never understand how uh, someone with a, a wicked mind would say it needs to be null and void after someone has <laughs> been so long. I mean, it, would, it would be fantastic uh come really. Liverpool to win the league, <laughs> the
0: league <fans. laughs> brilliant brilliant uh, totally enjoying it well let's move on to the champions league uefa have been uh, pretty much communicational about their activities uh, since the covid-19 pandemic and according to reports uh, this week uh, uefa are set to conclude a summer football festival over a two week period in august basically waiting for All the top leagues to finish. Well, UEFA have set up a working committee to solve the problem basically that is yet to inform, or rather set to inform, the final decision on their meeting on June the 17th, which is just the day uh, the Premier League uh, kick starts. It is understood that a number of cities have made pitches to UEFA to host the Champions League. Uh, UEFA would prefer to have everything in one place, right? So, as opposed to having a home and away games, you know, logistics of traveling, some countries might not still open their borders and whatnot. UEFA saying look, let's have it in one place. Lisbon in Portugal, Frankfurt in Germany, Moscow in Russia. According to reports, Lisbon in Portugal are the leading city to potentially host the Champions League's uh, summer of uh, football. According to a German newspaper uh, Bild, uh, they reported on Sunday that Frankfurt expects to lose that bid of hosting the Champions League to secure the Europa League. So, interesting times, right? We, I mean, we've, we've had so much conversations about the Premier League, the La Liga, Italian football. But the Champions League have bided their time and it looks as if they would have the, the, last, the last laugh. Yeah. Uh, how about they take it to New Zealand? Because <laughs> <laughs> right. we're here in
1: uh, New Zealand and now coronavirus free. You know that, that the players probably will be, safe, will be safe there. But I think the Champions League are on the right track because... The pandemic seems to have slowed down a bit. Even in, um, um, I, I get the feeling by this summer it will be it will be more than safe to 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 play the Champions. I, I, it feels like the, the perfect decision to play it in one venue. Can better assure safety of the players and officials. Now they
0: are available there, but definitely we cannot wait to see that happen. We're hearing uh, quarterfinals would be one-legged affairs. We're hearing the semifinals would also be one-legged affairs. Um, I'm wondering what that does to uh, Chelsea Bayern Munich. I wanted to take your opinion just before we do the Champions League conversation on Bayern Munich and PSG. Bayern Munich have got uh, two games to wrap up the the German League title and they would probably be finishing the the German League on the week the Premier League resumes and that would give them a full month of non-action till Champions League resumes in August and at the moment you would say Bayern Munich are probably your all-time favourite to win the Champions League because they're playing in probably the most efficient way since you've Hankins left the team. I mean, what, what do they do? How, do? how do they stay in record to win another Champions League title? And if you throw in PSG into the mix, they haven't... Their players are still in, in Spain. Herrera was talking to The Athletic this week. is still in Spain. How do teams like PSG and Bayern Munich, you know, come back to, to some sort of competitive action, especially for PSG? It's
1: a of conundrum because uh, you can even look at it in two ways. Um, 5 million have been playing since 16th of May, they've been playing some football, and at least for the entirety of, of another two weeks, they'll still be playing football. And after that, they don't play any kind of football. So that, for me, takes away a bit of com- competitiveness from them because you can train all you want, but if they're not playing competitive matches, except they will tell me they're probably going to be playing some friendly matches building up to the Champions League. And for PS, it's even more dire because they haven't played any football games match. They have not Watch. played any kind of football and it's quite difficult. Since match, so it's, it's even more difficult for PSC and it, it's quite frustrating because what you want is, I think it was Lakone who once mentioned that being match fit and being fit are two different things because you can be fit training regularly but you're not match fit and that, the mentality you, you go into a football match with and the mentality you go into training ground with, is two different things because the fire is not in your belly when you go into a training ground. So very difficult. I don't know how they're going to do it. It's going to be a massive, massive problem for them, and just have to find a way. But for, for minute it's even easier because I think Birmingham are be through to the next round. They won comfortably in the first round. I think they're going to give Chelsea another hiding because they're playing so
0: well. But for PSG, it's even more. I mean, what, what, hold, hold on a sec. Ini. what would that game be played? Because I mean, if the, if the quarterfinals would be, help me out here. The Chelsea Birmingham game was the round of sixteen, right? Yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Solves the problem then. So, uh, basically, they move on to the next round. Uh, or do they play... I mean, do Chelsea need to play that game? For any reason? <laughs> <laughs> no, which, which
1: no, Ch- Ch- Chelsea would be... If I were Chelsea, you'd be... If I were Chelsea and you tell me not to play the second leg, i will be absolutely livid. i will be angry. Because it's football. Anything can happen. Chelsea can believe... And they can get, they can overturn the, the, the deficit.
0: So you can't say they shouldn't be the second leg. You'll be better on jobs. Mm. Right. Let's uh, talk about uh, the events of the last two weeks. Then hopefully uh, we can uh, end the show uh, just in a bit. Right. Uh, I'm sure you must have heard about uh, Colin Kaepernick, who in 2016 frequently took a knee during the national anthem to take a stand against police brutality and racial injustice. Well, four years later, his protest is widely viewed as prescient. A global opinion has quite shifted in that period of time. So much more that people are now vilifying those who attacked Kaepernick or misinterpreted his stance. Well, last week the U.S. Soccer Federation's board of directors is, were considering a possible uh, repeal of the policy requiring national team players to stand during national anthems. Uh, that's according to reports on the ESPN. Of course, uh, the NFL did come out to say, uh, luckily, that they were wrong to not support players, you know, who wanted to uh, voice their support against uh, the inequality, institutional inequality in the system. I mean, it's been such a torrid time for, you know, sports people over the last couple of years, especially with racism. But it looks as if the momentum is gathering and surely we're we're almost there. It, it, It does look like the momentum is gathering. But um, my, my from,
1: as an outsider, because I, I don't live in the United States, but as an outsider, I've always felt like racism out there is the systematic way it has been uh, engraved into the system, right? Now, with the NFL that you've mentioned, four years after Kaepernick's um, protest, that they were wrong not to allow players to, uh, you know, to protest the during the national anthem, to take a knee. Mm-hmm. And that has been the scary thing for me across... Uh, during all of these protests going on, it's the performances. People, for me, people are just as opposed to um, genuinely meaning what they, what they're doing. Because if you're not performing, Colin took a knee four years ago. Now, four years after a statement about it, I would have expected that they mentioned his name specifically and even apologized to him. Because after taking a knee, they more or less ostracized have a team after that season concluded has not been able to play in the league since that time, since that particular season ended. And they gave a speech. Nobody mentioned that, they, you know, the press release. Nobody mentioned his name. Nobody said anything about how they treated him for the past four years. So for me, it felt like they were just performing. So I don't know where it goes from here, but I feel like I've always thought about the fact that black people, black players out there need to stand up for themselves, do what they have to do. Because if you wait for for, uh, people at, at at the end of affairs, To change things for you, I don't think it's going to happen. For me, I don't think it's going to happen. Also, that um, by and large, compared to what has happened in the last couple of years, it is still a step in the right direction.
0: Right. Brilliant. Of course, uh, remembering George Floyd is one of the things we're doing on the podcast today. It would not be complete without paying our respects to uh, the young man who was killed in cold blood on the 25th of May. George Floyd, who was black, died in Minneapolis. After Derek Chalvin, a white police officer, kneeled on his neck for more than eight minutes. Chalvin, who was fired, has been charged with second-degree murder. Uh, Three officers, other officers, have been charged with aiding and abetting a second-degree murder. Well, uh, as you would expect, in Liverpool's manager, Jürgen Klopp, has said he's proud of his side's Black Lives Matter tribute in training earlier last week. You've got to say it started a wave of football's participation, if you like, in what we've seen across the globe as well. Leicester City also put out a picture as well. Uh, Chelsea also in the mix. Uh, it kind of feels like, even though it's uh, it's slow, but maybe for one more time, a conscious effort to raise valid awareness?
1: It, it is really. And when, when you think of it and the, the whole episode of George Floyd in the past few weeks, It feels like a deja vu, we've been here before, we've talked about this thing before, but there's a lot more intensity now, there's a lot more aggression now, there's a lot more action now. People are out there on the streets saying this is wrong, this shouldn't be happening, this is not right, and all of that. And it's great to see the momentum, and like like I said, it's a step in the right direction. I totally agree that something that has not happened before is happening now. People. Are more conscious. Even the white people who never used to understand. I saw a tweet the other time. Someone said the fact that as a white person you actually do not see that you get privileges as being white. It's actually what makes privileges more separate for the white person. You know, I saw a tweet that a guy said, "I once paid a, 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 a twenty-dollar bill that was not original." And it's a story I learned, I, I tell my friends and we laugh about oh, it. We have a laugh about it. George Floyd. And he, he said for George Floyd, it was a death sentence. And it's, it's a privilege that white people have enjoyed over the, a long time. And they're now getting to see that it's actually been a privilege for them. And it's great to see the awareness. It's great to see more black people, more in, in terms of just being aggressive in their approach. It's great to see them just come out and really voice their opinion.
0: Absolutely uh, touching as far as the death of George Floyd and we'll keep uh, his memory in our hearts And hopefully uh, this wave of protests across the globe uh, makes some change or well, biomedic Munich, Borussia Dortmund and Hertha Berlin paid tribute to the Black Lives Matter movement on Saturday with pre match t-shirts and armbands or so biomedic Munich war t-shirts uh, before the 4-2 win over Leverkusen that read um, Red against racism, hopefully uh, the football returning in full swing doesn't uh, sway or dampen the mood, uh, or you know, kill the momentum of the the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. Right. Um, let's get away from that because even FIFA have also urged football competition organisers uh, to apply common sense and consider not sanctioning players demanding justice for George Floyd during the matches. Hopefully, uh, the Premier League follows suits uh, when. It eventually returns, gentlemen. We've got about uh, five or six minutes before we wrap up on the podcast, but it will not be complete without mentioning the La Liga, which is back. Uh, action gets underway on Thursday uh, with Sevilla against Real Betis. Levante travel to Valencia on Friday. Barcelona at Mallorca on Friday uh, on, on Saturday, and of course Real Madrid at home to Eibar. It's just incredible to see that I kick a ball about, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, very, very interesting. Very interesting, guys. I I think uh, even before the the pandemic hits, I think the the La Liga this season has been uh, probably a a little bit weird, you know, from the La Liga season that we've had in in recent times. You know, from how close it's been between Real Madrid and Liverpool, uh, and and Barcelona. Beg your pardon. uh, The fact that Barcelona are now very dependent. they, They are. More dependent on Messi now than ever, ever. Real Madrid, they've been very inconsistent. Um, you look at the fact that Granada were at the top of the table at some point. And even now, uh, okay. you've got uh, Real Sociedad, um, I think there's another outsider that's now in the top three. And now, let's go Madrid, who dropped out the, the, the Champions League defending champions, uh, Liverpool, out of the Champions League, only good for sixth place. So, the La Liga this season has been a bit of—it's um, not what, what we what we what we expected—and it would be interesting to see how the season ends. Probably we'll have people like Real uh, Sociedad um, making retaining that top four situation, but it's very close as well as the bottom half of the table, very close as well. So uh, a team as high up as tenth position could end up in relegation waters by the end of the La Liga season. So very interesting to look forward to.
0: Well, uh, very interesting, like Olacolin Riley mentioned. And just to refresh ourselves with what the La Liga table looks like, Barcelona are top with uh, 58 points, actually. And, of course, Real Madrid are in second place with 56 points. Just two points uh, difference between the top two positions. Sevilla, who are having a great season so far. A uh, couple of points of Real Madrid with 47 points in third place. We also see that find themselves in fourth, Etapa in fifth, and let's go Madrid, like luckily rightly mentioned, uh, in sixth position. Valentia, uh, who, of course, are also in action on Friday, are uh, in seventh uh, position. It is important to mention that the Royal Spanish Football Federation gentlemen have announced that uh, upon the return of football on Thursday, uh, in all professional and non-professional competitions, a minute of silence will be held. Uh, before all the matches in memory of those who have died from uh, COVID nineteen. Right, so uh, I mean, great stuff. Who do you think will win the title, Ini? Barcelona or Real Madrid? just two points separating them. Barcelona, Real Madrid.
1: And Hazard is back for Real Madrid, you know. Yeah. Real Madrid is in inco- back. Inco- if they are too inconsistent, they should be arrested. All of them too inconsistent. <laughs> I think Barcelona. I think Barcelona will win the league. Just because of Messi, because of what Messi brings to the table. Um, for, for Real Madrid, I'd like to see them take this title race to the wire. It would be very interesting to see if this title race goes on to about these, um, the penultimate weekend or just the last day of the season. It would be very interesting to see. Um, I, I heard that Messi's agent uh, recently just got in touch with Barcelona, so... The, the conversation about a new deal is underway. So there's a possibility they might increase his money, his um, wages uh, in, in, <laughs> yeah, in the, in the like process. That. And if that happens, there is no chance anybody is going to get anywhere near that title, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> if, they, if they don't find a way to secure, to, to secure that deal, you know, by the time the, the, the league resumes, I, I feel like because of that dependence, that heavy dependence on them to see there, there, there are too many loopholes and too many lapses in every other department of Barcelona's team right now that uh, other teams are looking to do well this season. And they have been doing well this season. I feel like Barcelona looks like a team that is there for, for, to, 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 to pick apart. For Real Madrid, in my opinion, they have been heavily inconsistent in the course of the season. But I feel like this break for Hazard also, it, it's an opportunity, mm-hmm. a second opportunity to make a good first impression. So I feel like they're going to come out of the blocks flying. And they look like a team that do not depend on, one, on just one player. They depend on the solidity of the unit. So I feel like Real Madrid might have a better second half of the season or second, second half of the season than Barcelona.
0: Uh, interesting. Well, aside from the obvious debate about where the title will be headed, the guys have had their say on that. Madrid or Barcelona... Every team in the bottom half of the La Liga table can consider themselves part of a battle to beat the drop. Espanyol, Leganes and Mallorca currently occupy those bottom three spots, but each of them will start the running with a clean slate in terms of form. Above them, however, Celta Vigo, Eba, Real Valladolid are directly in danger of being dragged down into the scrap. Alaves, Levante, Real Betis and Osasuna are also Yet to reach the 40 points mark so that is that as far as la liga goes we'll keep you updated well we would always come back to talk about the la liga when it resumes and i'm sure we'll do the podcast on a more uh, frequent uh, basis well in a build-up to the big restart in la liga in spain basically uh the league have presented broadcast innovations for the return of the competition digitally recreated fan audio virtual stands as well as a new camera shots of course, these are some of the key changes uh, the league are looking to implement just to give the viewing, the viewers at home, the socially distanced fan, a better experience uh, while the current situation uh, lasts. So, guys, you might be hearing some uh, FIFA 20 instrumentals when you watch the Liga. And normally, when you watch the La Liga, guys, there's always this feeling that the stadium is kind of like, you know, bouncing, isn't it? So, yeah, <laughs> it'll be great to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Yubi. I think, um, the, you know, with, with every difficult situation, um, in, in, in how football has developed and how big football is now, you'd expect that there will be new inventions and, and, and new um, uh, findings to make the experience a better a better thing for the fans. And I feel like that's what is happening. I think at the end of the day, uh, as, as football starts um, reopening, there will be new inventions that keeps happening. And at the end of the day, in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months, we'll start enjoying the experience of not even having the fans in the stadium very soon, in my opinion. I feel like we'll, we'll get used to it at some point, that we'll start enjoying it. With all of these inventions happening, with it, because now I feel like I might want to watch a La Liga game or a Premier League game when it returns with my headphones on, connected to the TV or something, so that I hear all of those extra sounds You know that, it might, that they might have been working on. <laughs> you know, So I'm looking forward to it anyway
0: i was just going to ask you, um, before Any uh, also answers the same question, uh, football without the fans, with the stadium noise that, of course, is adapted to the play, a missed goal, uh, a, a corner miss or something like that, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to hear the empty, the, the players screaming at themselves, backing orders, or do you prefer some sort of stadium effect? What do you prefer?
1: <laughs> no, that's it, that's it. <laughs> that's a tricky, That's a really tricky question because obviously we've all been used to hearing the fans screaming and the noise in the stadium and it's always better to see the party happening with the fans in the stadium. You know, doing all sorts and seeing the facial expressions of fans when a goal is missed or when a goal is scored. All of those experiences, it's always a good time, no doubt. I feel like that is still a big experience because I do not know what to, what is yet to come with what we have right now. But I feel like from an angle of... Um, From an angle of a football analyst, I would would really enjoy hearing the players scream at themselves, hearing the managers scream at the players. You know, before now, it used to be uh, Conte. It was only Conte that we used to hear his voice screaming at his players, (laughs) even with the fans in the stadium. (laughs) But now, there's a chance that we would hear every single thing that the the coach is trying to tell to his players. So, from an angle of a football analyst, I would really, really love to see that and enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing an Arsenal game. I'm really <laughs> looking forward. You, you, you know why? Every time Arsenal concedes a goal, Mustafi is always very angry. I like to hear what he says. <laughs> Even when he's the one making the mistake, he's always Sometimes <laughs> he's hearing what he says. Whether he's angry at himself or he's angry at his teammates. <laughs> i tell you on what. The, on the version. <laughs> what?
0: I tell you what, it would have been a great time to have Ferguson on the touchline.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. It, would be, it, it, would, it would be an absolute blockbuster so just have Ferguson on the line. I'd like to hear him say, what is wrong with you, son? <laughs> it, would be, it would be really fantastic. But, but on, on the flip side, it, it's quite frustrating not watching football without fans, you know, looking at expressions and the excitement. You know, when the when goal is missed of you, there's a collective breath of fans just screaming, wow, or putting their hands on their heads and all of that. It's, it's quite frustrating, but it's the new normal. We'll get used to it at some point. Like Lachlan said, it, it's football. We just want to see football. We just want to see people put the ball in the back of the net.
0: Brilliant. It's been a, a, a 40 minutes of absolute interesting conversation as far as uh, Spain's return. Uh, to football also with touch base on the racism stand in sports and of course the global situation as well it's also been good to talk about transfers with uh, you both gentlemen so it's been an absolute pleasure la liga is back this weekend and it's only right that we get excited it's been an absolute joy to actually uh, see all the events unfolding with you in nearby monday and we'll have to thank you thanks thanks so
1: much absolute pleasure yeah, Great. thank you uh, Yubi for having me. It's been a pleasure. Always a good time uh, discussing uh, football with the magnificent trial.
0: It's <laughs> fantastic solid 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 as a rock that made me feel really good (laughs) really good really good (laughs) really good well uh remember to subscribe to the hindsight podcast on all podcast platforms i'm talking google apple and spotify simply search the hindsight podcast so you never miss or go searching for an episode my name is yubi indiana fit hasta luego we'll see you soon